0: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. I hardly know where to begin. Uh, I I've sent out notices to the network and and told them that uh, we were going to talk about uh, spiritual contracts, and uh, that's. Uh, Almost all subjects I talk about are touchy subjects because I always get into the controversial nature of the matter because that's the problem is that people do not want to know the whole truth. They don't want to find the part of the truth that hurts, that causes them pain. Uh, because that part of the truth is the is the reason they fled the garden. It's uh, the, the reason Adam and Eve left the garden. God drove them out with the truth. They were hiding in the garden from the fact that they had done wrong. They had acted foolishly. They had been stupid. They had gone the wrong way. They were naked. They did not have the answer themselves. And they were hiding from that fact. And when God caught them, they blamed it on God. It's not my fault. The woman you gave me gave me the fruit to eat. Tempted me to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, that's a whole... That's a whole series in itself, What exactly how she did that. I mean, they don't really tell you. They just give you a few lines and words and stuff like that, trying to make a long story short. And most people miss it. But that's where you're at right now. You don't want to know the truth. Now, you may want to know some of the truth. But you do you want to know the whole truth and provide for it? According to the great words of that prophet (laughs) uh, and statesman, Paul Revere, who did get lost that night. (laughs) He did get lost. He didn't actually warn them that the British are coming because he got lost. Somebody else did most of that. But Paul Revere's name fit into the rhyme, so he gets the fame. And he did try. He did show up. And he, and he did try to spread the message. They didn't rely on one guy on horseback. But today, people rely on one man. They think, oh, I'll get this president in, I'll get that president in, and things will change. Well, things will change, but that is not the moving force. Uh, the, the moving force is the people. So, there's there's a lot of things... Uh, that are wrong in society today that are going wrong in society today that are uh, uh, causing society to uh, uh, take some wrong major wrong terms in and have been for quite some time and i I sent out a post i i called Divide. It was a a page that I created called Divide and it had a lot of statistics in it about uh, uh, the black communities and Black Lives Matter and has a little poster there, Clone Lives Matter. Because to say Black Lives Matter is clearly a racist statement. Anybody who's going around promoting that and and actually they get upset if you say Lives Matter. They They don't want just just say lives matter, it's black lives matter. well, that's racist. that's putting somebody's life ahead of somebody else's because the truth is lives matter but the the truth also is is that most of the people that are promoting that are socialists that's a that that's a socialist movement that is out there saying black lives matter. And socialism is, is a, is a prejudiced concept because it's saying that somebody has the right to force somebody else to provide for what they think should be provided for. I mean, socialism is, is a system of forced contributions. Redistribution of wealth, they call it. It's not, it's not a system of charity it's a system of forced contributions where they think that somebody should not have the right to decide how they divide their labor and they have divided a nation with that idea so you know the rich and the poor are at odds with each other they don't they don't care about each other the poor don't care about the rich and the rich certainly are caring less and less about the poor it used to be in america we were the most philanthropic nation in the world and and some of the seeds to that are still there but people don't know how to give they don't know how to give wisely they don't know who to give to you know they they give to to churches where the leaders are extremely the leaders of the church are extremely wealthy, living in million-dollar mansions or sitting on golden thrones. And they give to those churches. Somebody the other day, uh, in talking about uh, a different pastor for a church, they said, uh, uh, how about so-and-so? And, uh, and somebody says, well, he's a feel-good pastor. And they said, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with feeling good? I like feeling good. And it crossed my mind when I heard that. That uh, So it says in the Bible that God gave His only begotten Son so that the whole world might feel good. <laughs> no. That isn't, that, isn't, that isn't it. It's so that they might be saved. Might be saved. You're going to have to see the truth about what it is you actually have to repent of in order to be saved. If you're not going to be willing to hear the truth about what it is that you need to see, you can kind of figure on not being saved. You're not going to be saved. And and unfortunately... Millions of people are going to die. Probably violently. With great suffering, weeping, <laughs> gnashing of teeth. That's just the way it's going to be. And uh, and uh the changes that are going to bring that about are going to happen suddenly, but everybody's going to say, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. Well, that's because you live by the knowledge of good and evil. You eat of the tree of good and evil. You're smart. You you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, got a good job. You're an engineer. You're a lawyer. You're, a, uh, you know, maybe you work in a factory, whatever. You got a pension. Maybe you're a government employee. Things are pretty good. And you're comfortable. You feel good. You know, maybe you see some things coming and you're preparing, but, you know, you're preparing for you and your family and those that love you. Well, you're not going to have any grace, and it's by grace that you will be saved. Even in hard times, it's by grace that you will be saved, especially when the times are really hard. And then, and then you take it back to the story of the Garden of Eden and you have this serpent, This, which actually is very interesting, the word for serpent and all this kind of stuff that if you understand the pictorial nature of the Hebrew language, the serpent is also naked, without authority, without dominion. And he is trying to seduce mankind away from his dominion. So that man will come out of favor with God. And God will not be there to protect man. That's his plot. That's his plan. Because he wants the planet. He wants dominion over this planet. And if you're gone, he's got it. By default. This is what's at stake here right now. In this realm. He wants dominion in this realm. In all realms, and he gets it pretty regular, and that's why you see all hell breaking loose in many parts of the world, and and there's seemingly very little that you can do about it. And many of you are you're trying to do something about it and preparing, and and uh, but it's you, you you have no idea how bad. Things can get with such a weak society. I mean, you see Europe being invaded by an army of immigrants migrating across the land, coming in by the thousands, tens of thousands. Crime rates are skyrocketing. Norway, the uh, hundreds of percentage points in 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 crime. They they did deport. Everybody who had a criminal record that were these immigrants, but a lot of them are coming back in anyway. But crime went down 800% when they did that. Just deporting uh, the criminal immigrants, you know, immigrants that have gotten into criminal problems where where they have been caught doing something or whatever, by deporting them, the, the crime rate just plummeted. Now, does that mean all immigrants and all these refugees are criminals? Obviously not. But there's a criminal element there. That's coming in. Why Why were the countries like Germany and everything opening their borders? To all these... Uh, was it compassionate? Is the government really that compassionate? Well, they need them. They've needed them for years. They've been taking them in by the tens of thousands, even millions. You know... Uh, for for years. Why? Birth rates. Too low. In Europe to sustain it. They cannot sustain their social welfare systems. With a 1.3 birth rate. Or even lower birth rate. You can't do it. The workers aren't coming up. You're not going to be able to expand your economy. You need workers. It's not a matter of not being willing to do the work. It's a matter of the fact they ain't there to do the work. If you, I mean, with a 1.3 birth rate, how how is your society going to grow to the point of taking care of the, the elderly of your society? It's just not going to happen. It's just math. So they need to bring in immigrants because the birth rate is low. Why why can't they have babies in Germany? Germans used to have big families. They don't anymore. Why? Socialism. You don't need a big family. No. There's no need for a big family in your mind. And and it costs money and it's a lot of trouble and both husband and wife are working in your prosperous economy. You've liberated your wife. She doesn't have to be in the home. She has to go to work. You know, like uh, one politician talking about, I didn't want to sit home and bake cookies. Is that what a mother is? A cookie baker? We have this distorted view. And and these people say this, and you don't even notice. It's crazy. It's insane. It was probably the most important job you could get was a homemaker. You had the responsibility of raising the next generation. You were the primary caregiver of the family. And somehow that became a demeaning job. You know, beneath you. Are you kidding? It's insane. Where do these ideas come from? Well, they the the socialism is a breeding ground for such ideas and if you send your kids to public school you're a socialist you believe that it's okay to force your neighbor at threat of taking away his home his castle if he does not pay for your child's education that's you believe that that's why you send your kids to public education you believe that that is good And then, so, once that's good, then it's also good to have, force your neighbor to take care of your parents. You know, Social Security. And and then there's health care. And that's okay, too, because it's the same thing. You can't see it. That this is spitting in the face of Christ. When you do this, you've turned your back Un-Christianity. Real Christianity. Not the not the fake stuff that you see down at the local church where you go to feel good. You know, and then, then you have all the self-righteous people who aren't a part of that church. They got their own church. And what are they going to do? They're going to put all kinds of, you know, uh, trappings on their religion. Oh, you got to wear this clothes because you know, thousands of years ago they, they wore this clothes like a prayer shawl or you know, or, or or you know, you have to dress this way, you have to have to have your hair that way, you know, the whole idea of, you know, braiding the hair and everything, uh braiding the beard, trimming the corners of the beard all had to do with separating yourself out from the rest of society so that you would be different, better than them. It was division. It's, it's 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 satanic. You know, we got our calendar. We got our way. We, we read the Bible and figured it out that we should do it this way. And those people over there, they do it that way. You know calendars? Calendars are for people who don't know what time it is. If you're living by the Holy Spirit, you don't need no stinking calendar. You don't even need it. But you probably do need a calendar. And so you should get together with other people of the spirit of Christ. Christ never even hardly talked about anything that had to do with, even remotely had to do with a calendar. Yet that was a big issue at the time. So it wasn't important to him. He knew what time it was. He knew when he was going to have to do this, that, or the other thing. So if these things are even slightly important to you, you are being dis- seduced by the dark side. What is important? How do you how do you find salvation? It's not an intellectual journey. You are going to have to go into your mind and see things that are in your mind, but it's not an intellectual journey. It's a spiritual journey, and so you know, like I I write books. And people read the books, like Covenants of the Gods, first one I wrote. It tells you in the book that it's, there's no solution in the book. We're just talking about evidence of the problem. And the evidence is that you have gone back into bondage worse than that of Egypt. You're aborting your children just like they did in Egypt. Because of economic constraints, just like they did in Egypt. You're weak as a society, and you're getting weaker and weaker, and your government is beginning to fail you. It's cutting off your benefits or not increasing you know no cost of living increase this year. Well wait till you have runaway inflation and they're and they're three years behind on that where all your money is going for food or or you can wait till there isn't any food to even buy. In the stores. And they're rationing food. And you can't have a ration stamp to get food in any store anywhere unless you have a social security number. Because you got to have the number to get food. Gasoline. Electricity. Oh, well, you say, oh boy, I better get my solar in right away so that I'll be safe. When there's no electricity and you're the only one on the block with solar... <laughs> Guess who's coming to your house? There is no place that you will be safe unless you return to the tree of life, the Holy Spirit, and walk with that. You got your mind full. See, that's one of the reasons I don't usually talk about all the bad things that are coming. I mean, I I haven't really talked about them. I made kind of a reference to the fact that billions of people are going to die. <laughs> But billions of people are going to die, even if there isn't a bad thing. I just there's just there's going to be some bad things where they're going to die in rapid succession. Everybody's going to face death one way or the other. But then, but people start moving from fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know what you need to do? What First Thessalonians four eleven says, and that ye study to be quiet. Fear is doesn't quite. I, I remember. Uh, Seeing, I've been in lots of situations where there's panic and pandemonium, and and you know fires and and all kinds of different things that have happened over the years, uh, and uh, and and people get all worked up and they're excited and they're running around screaming. I get calmer and calmer in those situations. You know, I mean, it's just like I just get relaxed in those situations. And sometimes I'll move real fast and everything. But I'm actually very calm. Very focused. Very centered. And it's just the way I'm built. I don't know. This is the way I've been. I remember watching a video. I uh, had family members. uh distant family members. Uh, that were on the highway. And a truck caught on fire. And it was pulling a trailer full of uh, horses. And there's this billowing black smoke. Coming out from underneath the hood. And everything. And... Uh, and they, they weren't gonna drive the car, so the truck was parked there, and people were going to the back, uh, to try to let out the, uh, horses, uh, out of the trailer in case the fire spread to the trailer. Somebody was thinking. Other people were, uh, calling. There was a fire truck that came by. It was a state rig, uh, and they couldn't get their pump started, and they, they couldn't put out the fire, and people were screaming and running and yelling run, and, People were running down the road. There was one guy that was, he was like a half mile, like occasionally the video camera would pan over to the guy and he was, you know, a quarter mile away and then it would go back to the fire and then it would pan back down the road and now he's a half a mile away and then they pan back. I mean, he was like, he was becoming a dot on the horizon. He just kept running. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he thought there was a nuclear bomb in that truck, but he was getting out of there. And uh you could hear the panic in people's voices and everything. And, and an old guy came by with a dilapidated tow truck. He came out of Paisley. And, uh, I mean, this is like 50s truck. And he gets out and he's kind of limping very casually in these overalls. And he just kind of walks over with a fire extinguisher and steps in front of the truck with the hood up. And there's just billowing black smoke. And he lifts up his fire extinguisher and poof. Fire goes out. He stands there just casually looking at it. All of a sudden, flames pop up again and it starts to. And he pulls the extinguisher up. Poof! Goes out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he did it about three times. And then he just slowly, after he watched it a lot, walked back and got. Put his fire extinguisher away and pulled his truck around to tow everybody back in. He was so calm. So. In control, and everybody else was running around in panic. It's just a little fire. It's just amazing. The state was absolutely useless. Huge tens of thousands of dollars, probably $50,000 truck, couldn't do a thing. One old guy saved the day. Who's going to save your day? We're going to talk about how to save your day when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, and the Lord raiseth them up that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. This is Psalms 146 8. God's love opens your eyes. It takes the scales off your eyes. But in order to receive God's love, you must be willing to see. But if you think you see already, then Christ talks about you will be made blind. This is part of the teachings. That Christ gave us. Jesus said. For judgment I am come. Into this world. That they which see not. Might see. And they which see. Might be made blind. Well he's talking about those who think they already know. And so what we're doing in these series. Is trying to show you what Christ was trying to help people see. And Peter would say the same thing. That through covetousness. That you would be made merchandise. You would curse your children. You you would go back and become entangled in the elements of the world. That is the cause. When we talk about contracts in the world and of the world, we're simply talking about systems and agreements where you can actually see the evidence of the fact that you're already in agreement with ideas like one purse like eating at the table of kings, uh, benefactors who exercise authority. And they're not really benefactors. They only give you what they take away from others. These are the fathers of the earth. These are the terminologies. And we show you the history. We show you how this applied back then. We show you how it applied throughout the ages. We show you how it applied in our times today. But it is absolutely essential that you change what you are in agreement with. That's repentance. You're in agreement with the idea that it's okay to covet. It's okay to desire what belongs to your neighbor for your personal benefit. And it's okay not to forgive. Christ's love will open your eyes. But it also will be like hot coals upon the head of those who do not want to see. They will hate it. If Christ is in you, if you're coming in the name of Christ, you need to be coming with a desire to serve. To forgive, to be a righteous individual. That is your desire. And you need to act, not just say, Lord, Lord, but actually become a doer of that word. And then His love can bless you, His grace. If you only love those who love you, if you only love those who help you, care about you, that are close to you, what grace have you? This is what it says. I want you to keep that in mind. Do not get carried away with contracts and jurisdictions and laws, etc. Keep in mind that this is about coming into agreement with Christ. And join the network. Find other people seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That daily ministration based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. A government that does not exercise authority but exercises love in charity, in hope. And until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So I said uh, I quoted from First Thessalonians four eleven, and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Well, whose hands would they work for? With I mean, what, what's the, what's that? Uh, what, what's he talking about there? Well. Rome had become a socialist state. It was doomed as soon as it did that. As all socialist states are doomed as soon as they do that. But that hasn't seemed to stop anybody. Because people everywhere in the world have done that. And that's how you become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. is because you were willing to enslave... ...your neighbor so that you could have free education... ...so that you could have a fire department... ...so that... ...I mean they actually put a fire department in a local community north of us... ...we have only a volunteer fire department... ...but they, they put one up there... ...and they have the... ...they expanded this huge fire district... ...and why? Because they wanted money to build a community center... ...and they didn't. they couldn't get the money to do it... ...but they said, well let's create a fire district... ...we'll tax everybody... We'll get that money. We'll build a big, huge building to put our fire trucks in and we'll use that building as a community center. And of course, they do that. They have a kitchen in there and they have their big parties in there and meetings and all that stuff. And they forced everybody to pay for it. And they they really like it. They think it's cool. It doesn't seem to bother them that they have spit in the face of Christ by doing that. By coveting their neighbor's goods They've lost eternal life. Because Christ said, when they asked Him, what must they do to obtain eternal life? He says, Thou knowest the commandments, keep them. I mentioned that to a preacher once. He says, Oh yeah, but Jesus said that before the crucifixion. Now that He was crucified, we're just saved because we believe. Even though Jesus said, Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who doeth the will of the Father. That doesn't count anymore because the crucifixion said that all you have to do is believe in Jesus and you're saved. What a satanic gospel that is. It is true. See, that's what's so satanic about it. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and you will be saved. That's absolutely true. But you have to believe in the real Jesus. And the real Jesus said, Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of the Father. What must you do for eternal life? Thou knowest the commandments, keep them. If you're not keeping the commandments, that's evidence you don't believe in Jesus. So if you think it's okay to force your neighbor to pay for your fire station, you don't believe in Jesus. So you got to pay some preacher who keeps telling you you're saved in order to feel good about the fact that you actually covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You've abandoned Christ, and you have no lawful right to enter into the kingdom of God. You have come into agreement with Satan, the adversaries of Christ. You're not in agreement with Christ because Christ said you were to love your neighbor, not covet his goods. You think it's okay. I mean, it's a fire department for God's sake. That's a great idea. It can save lives and lives matter. So let's the means by which we do it evidently is irrelevant because you think the end justifies the means. That's a Roman statement. You're a Roman. You're not a Christian. You war against Christ. Now, if what I'm saying is true, man, there's a lot of repenting that needs to go on. Until you have a social welfare system in a society that takes care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty, that is evidence that you do not believe in Jesus. You don't believe in Moses because that's what Moses was doing. You probably don't believe in Abraham because that's what he was doing. That's why he was leaving Ur. And that's why he left Haran because those systems destroy the soul. But you can't even go back to such a system unless you take a spiritual journey within and admit, Oh my gosh, I have need of repentance. Ezra 7.24 Also, we certify you that touching any of the priests and the Levites and the singers, and by the way, the singers, that isn't somebody who reads music. That's somebody else. Just like porters. Porters, that means gatekeeper. The nethanims, or ministers of this house of God. It shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. That's still the law today. But unfortunately, many of the people that you call priests, ministers, pastors, those those are the pastors that they refer to in the Bible as brutes. Because see, when they retire, they're gonna force their neighbors to pay into an insolvent system so that they can collect a check every month. Because their security is not Christ. Their security is provided to them by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. While the instructions of Christ were it was not to be that way with you. It is that way with them. They've abandoned christ now you, now you know what you have to repent of but let's let's take this farther because we wanted to talk about social uh and spiritual contracts isaiah nineteen or isaiah forty nine twenty four let's read that shall they pray shall, shall excuse me shall the pray Be taken from the mighty. Or the lawful captive delivered. What's a lawful captive? Somebody who's been captured by law. The lawful captive. Shall the lawful captive be delivered? But thus saith the Lord... Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. Because see, right now your children are cursed. Peter told you they would be when you were again entangled in the elements of the world, meaning the, the... organized systems of men where you have contracted into those systems to get benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And now you've been re-entangled again in the elements of the world back in the bondage of Egypt. And that's why I wrote the book to let you know that's where you're at. But that knowing that isn't going to get you out of that. It isn't going to get it so that God will contend for you against those that are your lawful captives captivators that they have lawfully captured you because you agreed with them you're in bondage peter said they would make merchandise of you they would have in revelations they would have a full stock of souls and slaves and they do. And why are you merchandise? Why are you in bondage? Why are you back in Egypt? Egypt you only had to pay twenty percent of what you produced each year to the government. It's worse today. Yeah, I mean you, you don't have any gold and silver. I mean, some of you have legal title to it, but you don't have lawful title to it. You don't own your land. You don't own yourselves. You don't own your children. They can force vaccinate your children. The reason they can take your guns away is you don't own them. You only have a legal title. And legal title, by definition, right out of Black's Law Dictionary, legal title does not include the beneficial interest. It is not the true owner of the property. If you've been numbered, you don't own anything. You don't own your labor, so therefore when you work and you earn these supposed notes and buy stuff with them, you don't own it. You don't have the capacity to own anything. You only have legal title, and that's not a true and actual title. That's an apparent title. It appears to be a title, but it carries with it no beneficial interest. That's the definition of it. it, 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 This seems so foreign to people that they think, like, what does that have to do with Jesus Christ? He came to set you free, right? Now, when all you hear Paul talking about us and we this and we are that and we are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not talking about you. He's talking about a vast network of people that were taking care of one another during depressions, during uh, uh, food shortages, during uh, invasion, during... during, tyrannical regimes, they were taking care of one another. They were, they, he could travel from one end to the other of the Roman Empire and provide for the needy of society because he was one of those priests, Levites, singers, porters, or ministers of the house of God. They were actually taking care of the social welfare in a daily ministration. Across borders. In local communities. Everywhere. Your church doesn't do that. 99% of all the benefits that people receive in your church come from governments. Who exercise authority. Completely contrary to what Christ instructed you to do. But you feel good. So destruction is coming to you. Because you're in contract with these benefactors who exercise authority. They they hold you as a surety. How many quotes? You go to preparing dot com, look up the word surety. Just look it up. Look look up we're putting more and more stuff. We had over almost two million visitors last year. Have come to the website. But that that's not gonna help you one bit. I don't care if it's 100 million visitors come to the website. Are you coming together and forming a daily ministration? You're done for. You're going to be annihilated. And God can't defend you. Because you're the lawful captive of that system. You are a surety for debt. Your children are cursed. Why? Why were your children cursed? Because... Of your covetous practices. That's what it says in the Bible, in the New Testament. Your covetous practices. You desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Public school. Public health. Fire departments. Whatever. Social security for your parents. You don't have to, you can just put them in a home and, hey, you know, they got that social security check and with their pension, you've got your parents taken care of. You can go watch the ball game. You can go have a beer with your buddies. You don't have to worry about your parents. You know, the government will take care of them. You, 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 you don't have to do aught for your parents. Because you got the Corbin and the Pharisees. You've abandoned Christ. You don't believe in Christ. You don't believe in Jesus. You're not saved. You didn't want to hear that? You want to think you're saved because of what you thought? That's, you're up in the tree of knowledge, thinking I'm saved from the flood that's coming. Isaiah 49, 24, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away from them. And the prey of the terrible shall be delivered from them. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee. And I will save thy children. Is he talking to you? You have to repent and become one of the lords. There are courts in heaven. Now, I don't know how many people uh, that are listening today listen to the audio that I sent. I know you're all so busy. (laughs) <laughs> you should be as busy as me. <laughs> you should be you should be studying to be quiet so that you can hear this message and then get up and do your own business, which includes pure religion, and forming a daily ministration. You should be in congregations that know each other and are connected across the country and worldwide, that actually care about one another. They come together in a meeting. They find out, okay, we're in a congregation here. We're all together today. Does anybody need any help? Does anybody have any shortfalls? Oh, no, nobody. Everybody's okay. I'm still going to stick my hand in my pocket. And I'm going to give 10% of everything I earned since I last met you with this congregation To my minister. And I want him to. Because he's so well connected. With nine other ministers. Like himself. He's going to be able to. Call up his minister. And his minister. Will know. Where those funds need to go. In order to take care of the daily ministration. Of a network of thousands of people. You ain't got that. That ain't happening with you guys. Well then. You ain't saved. If you ain't working towards that, which is the kingdom of God, that's how the kingdom of God works. It's the way it worked with Abraham. It's the way it worked with with uh, uh, Moses. So, now, we know Moses organized the people into these ten family congregations and they had ministers and then they got together with other men. And he had the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And we know he did that. We know that early Christianity did that all across Europe. But did Abraham do that? Oh, I mean, he set up these altars and those altars were a gathering of friends, not just a gathering of stones. And then he looked at each family as a altar of earth. And, and we know that that's kind of what he was doing. W- w- wasn't he just burning up sheep? I mean, they, they had so much fun burning up sheep together. You ever been in a fire where you burn up a sheep? I've been there. Stand back. Get way back. <laughs> Because you put a whole sheep up there and set it on fire, it's going to explode. I mean, it's literally going to explode. Methane explodes. And it's going to, I mean, come, I mean, that sheep's going to swell up from the inside. You're going to see a huge balloon, and it's going to explode. It is not a pretty sight. It doesn't smell good. It smells horrible. And God does is not pleased with the smell of it. I can guarantee you that. But if you want to imagine that that's what they were doing, then that's why they were all together. And that's why a whole army of people joined with Abraham when he went to free his nephew from these invaders. If you want to think that they were all bound together because they had burned up a sheep together, <laughs> on a pile of stones. If you want to think that that's really what Abraham was doing, you go right ahead and do that. You know? and then you can decipher your Hebrew calendar and, and 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 figure out the magic dates that you're supposed to do this because but you but this is why the early church was saying that you know you worry me you keepers of days <laughs> cuz you're not moving from the holy spirit that Christ came to give us and show us how to get you're captives by silly women in your imagination you know, that's what he's talking about. Because you, you want to you put everything, organize everything in your, with the knowledge in your head. It isn't about that. I mean, if you could see people that are actually men and women are actually moving from the Holy Spirit, that is a formidable power in the universe. And I say in the universe, because it's not only going to be a formidable power in the real world, the fleshly world that you live in. It's going to be a formidable, extremely formidable power in the spiritual realms. And you are walking in the spiritual realms right now. You're unaware of them. You don't see them. There are thousands of troops. If you go to our page on spiritual contracts, I have two pictures there now. They should be there. I actually didn't check and see if one uploaded. <laughs> but uh there should be two pictures there. And and it, you know, it's like Michael the Archangel is one of them. it's one of these Julius pictures where he's he's defeating the enemy. That's what they're talking about. Back there in uh Isaiah 49:24. He he will contend for you in spiritual realms and literally Armies in the physical realm will turn and flee in fear at the presence of the Holy Spirit because their courage comes from dark realms. And it, the dark realms flee, the armies of the world will flee. They will, they will look at, at your house and they'll say, we don't need to go in there. Because there's something in there that makes me feel afraid. Because it makes the spirit in them afraid. You, this this army that's coming into Europe and Sweden and Norway and Germany that is, is it just walking into houses and, and walking into stores and taking what they want. And and it's not all refugees, because there are some really good refugees that should be your ally. And you can't tell the difference. And I can tell you, the guys that are going to be vetting these guys, they can't tell the difference. They do not have eyes that can see who is the good soul, and who is bringing in darkness. They can't tell. They don't have eyes to see. You probably don't have eyes to see either. You haven't repented yet. Ezekiel 18.5 But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right and hath not eaten upon the mountains neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife neither hath come near to a, a menstruating woman. Okay. Do you even know what they're talking about there? You know, we talked earlier in the show about all the wives now have to go to work because they're not homemakers anymore. I wondered why I was bringing that up. Here's the reason. (laughs) Because they're not doing their job. They're out there in the world working, you know, to make parts and be secretaries and... And run big companies and all this noble, noble stuff. And somebody else is taking care of their kids. Somebody else is raising their children. All those women. They're out there working in the workplace. Instead of at home with their children. Raising the next generation. You've defiled those women. You've made them think that somehow or other, being a homemaker and a mother and a a wife to a real man is somehow not a good thing you've defiled those women you've you've come near and perverted their natural being into something that is not meant to be the natural use this is what it means the minstress woman People, you know, like, oh, she's got her, you know, we we can't go near her, can't touch her, all this kind of stuff. It's nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that you've perverted the use of a woman. A woman is a man with a womb, she is where society is born. And you've perverted that. You know, it, she becomes the same as you've perverted the church. You go there to feel good. And that's why you got this woman, because she makes you feel good. You give her power, you give her stuff, you give her money, because she makes you feel good. That's, you've turned her into a horror. That's, that's going near a menstruous woman. That's what that really means. It has nothing to do with anything, you know, in the physical, you know, time of month or any of that stuff. It has to do with the fact that you have perverted the use of the woman. And this is a symbolic way in which to deal with that. But you're all hung up on the symbol instead of the righteousness of creation. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're playing at religion. You're playing at church. Where's your daily ministration? Are you taking care of one another? Are you being moved by love for one another? How much did you give this week, this month, this year, so that others may live. We're going to tell you the secret next on Keys of the Kingdom. The last freedom you have left will be right back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're talking about your last freedom of choice—the the last one left, because you you have no more. I mean, it's, you're in worse bondage than you ever were in in past history. You're comfortable to some degree. Some of you are less comfortable than others, but who cares about the other people, right? <laughs> so, so what 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 is the deal here? What are we dealing with here? Uh, but if any man be just, I said, and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountain, you're the mountain. The people are mountains. People all together form a mountain. You're all earth, a dhamma, a pile of a clay, is a mountain. Have you eaten on the mountain? Have you taken the benefits of the benefactors who exercise authority by taking away from your neighbor? You've eaten on the mountain. You have lifted up your eyes to idols, men, things that men constructed. You know, constructed. They nailed it together. They welded it together. They formed it with their writings and their contracts and their agreements. And you're in agreement with the idea of taking from your neighbor. You have an agreement with Satan. You think that you are wise in your own eyes because you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you think you got it figured out, and you you look. Some of you are, are are like conservatives and look out there at the at the liberals, or vice versa. You can do it the other way. You know, I actually know people who are liberals, not conservatives. Although you see them coming up with things that would be classified as conservative, but they, they're ab- absolutely afraid of the conservatives. They, 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 they are actually arming themselves because they fear that the Tea Partiers are going to rise up and overthrow the government. And so they're arming themselves and they're stocking up. Well, arming themselves and stocking up is the thing that conservatives do because they think the liberals are going to, take over the government. Of course, the liberals have taken over the government, (laughs) which is why you've been a socialist nation for over a hundred years. Everybody's worried about socialism coming. They don't realize it's already here. They're already a socialist state. They've been a socialist state since I was a wee boy. (laughs) But anyway, you've eaten on the mountain. Very few people have not eaten on the mountain. You have bowed down to idols. You've created these systems of men, these Corbin systems. And they're all bankrupt and they're about ready to collapse and you know it. And so now you're going to stock up and hide in the mountains above town with your buddies. Lots of luck. Because God's not going to be contending with you. And evil will find you. It will send armies to your door. And when they see your door, there's nothing going to be afraid that they're going to be afraid of. It's going to be you against all the armies of Mordor (laughs) and Satan. (laughs) Lots of luck with that. But in spiritual realms, you can, you can stop whole armies if God is your ally. But God is not going to be your ally if you're playing church and you're, and you're organizing everybody according to your intellectual study of the Bible. God's not going to be with you. You're still eating of the tree of knowledge. The Bible is referring to the fact that God's got to be writing on your heart and your mind. He said, well, but God says that this is important to me. Well, yeah, it was important to the woman to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And yeah, she had to go through that. She didn't really need to. The Roman centurion knew that he doesn't, I don't have to touch him. He doesn't have to come to my house. I just know that he has the power. But Jesus saw in that man that there was faith in that man. That's why there were so many Romans who became Christians. And even when they expelled the Jews under the order of Claudius who were Christians from Rome, the Roman Christians were still there by the thousands doing Christian things, taking care of one another. Powerful force if there were more christians real christians not the fake ones real christians in places like norway and sweden and germany and and i guess denmark they they've they've stopped the immigrants they won't let them in france france could use christianity you know and uh you know that's what we sh- we should send missionaries to france <laughs> <laughs> You know, because these these countries can actually do something if they actually became Christian. But they're not. But anyway, Ezekiel 18.9. Yet say ye, why? Doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? If your father or mother are getting a social security check, instead of you taking care of their needs... You're not bearing the iniquity of your father and your mother. and But you're going to bear the iniquity of your father and your mother in another sense. Because this is actually talking about both ways. Your fathers have eaten sour grapes and turned your teeth on edge. In other words, they've borrowed money against the future and cursed you with debt which is why through covetous practices you would curse your children. Same thing. All those things are talking about the same thing. But there's a spiritual reality here. You should be lifting up the burdens of your fathers. And then God will lift the burden of your father's iniquity off of you. This is, this is the choices that you have. You have to lay down your time, your effort, your your ability to take care of your, your father and your mother, to take care of the needy uh, in your community, to take care of people far away in a system of faith, open church. You have to be giving. You know why you give tithing? It's not so that I can live in a multi-million dollar mansion in Texas. I've already been to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> or California, or, or take vacations, or, or what have you. You need to give because you need to lay down your life for somebody else. I've told this story a lot of times. Somebody, I was in Texas. happened to be in... Uh, maybe that's why I remember it. I was in Texas and a, a minister came with a bunch of the people from his congregation and all this stuff. I won't say much more about him so you won't know who he is or anything. But anyway, in the course of I'm talking there and I've been going for for days... Hours going from one place to another, traveling around. And uh, uh, he handed me a $20 bill in front of everybody. Just took it out and handed it across to me. I want to help you with your ministry because of what you're saying. And I and I, I, I wasn't used to people giving me uh, anything. I, I was doing this all because God sent me. And I never looked to receive anything for myself. And and handed it to, to me. And I I had studied to be quiet. Going back to that original statement I made in the last show. Where Do you remember where that was? Do you remember? <laughs> First Thessalonians 4.11 I had studied to be quiet. And I went to my quiet place. I knew how to get there. And I looked at the 20 and I knew where it had to go. I mean, it was just like water running through a channel I mean it just like it like if I was holding the bill it was like pulling me and I got up walked across the room real quick I lifted up the cookie jar and put it under the cookie jar and I went back and sat down and began to talk and he says well wait a minute no I gave that money to you and I said yeah I had no idea you know I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say I said and God said put it there because God told me to put it under the cookie jar. I mean, I, I didn't even know there was a cookie jar there until <laughs> I, I picked it up and slid it underneath. Because God told me to do that. I wasn't in the room with Him when He told me. I was sitting there, but I was in the quiet place. And He led me to do that. And that's what you're going to need in the days to come. You're going to need the, where God's going to say, you know, go here go there stop don't take another step put the brakes on I mean literally you'll be driving along following the traffic and God will say slam on the brakes you won't hear a voice he will just you will just know and you'll slam on the brakes and you'll save everybody in the car because if you hadn't slammed on your brakes you'd have been dead That's that's literally what will happen when you stop eating of the tree of knowledge. Stop trying to create some sort of religious ritual that we have to do this and this and this and this and this and, this, and start doing what Christ said. And you'll know you're doing what Christ said because you will be lifting up your, your parents. <laughs> you will be taking care of one another. You will be... You will be a part of a network of charity that is reaching all across the country, all around the world. And you will be bearing witness to that. Now, there are such people now that are doing that. But they're also in churches that are of the world, not of Christ. They're not teaching the whole gospel. They they know charity is important and they're doing that and that's great. And you'll find them under lots of different religious garbs and vestments. But can you see into their hearts and into their souls? Are you seeing in spiritual realms? Are they, are they the priests of this church or that church or the, the participants in this church? Or are they priests of the house of God? This is important to understand what you're looking at and how it works. He says, when the sons have done that which is lawful and right. In other words, stop coveting their neighbor's goods. Stop borrowing against the future to provide for the needy of their society. And they're actually doing the work with their own hands. Because they are keeping all my statutes. That's what he says, and hath kept all my statutes. Now, a lot of you intellectuals are going to start thinking, oh, well, his statute, we got to do this, and we got to do this, and we got to wear the prayer shawl, and we got to, we got to take the Sabbath off, and we can't walk more than, obeying my statutes. All are obeyed. All the statutes of God are obeyed. If you actually love your neighbor as yourself. And you love the righteousness of God. Those two things. Those two commandments. You will automatically obey all the statutes. And I'll show you that that's what Christ was teaching before we're done. And hath kept all my statutes and hath done them. He shall surely live. This is, you're going to live. If you do all those. And Christ told you how to do all those. And the early church was doing them. You're not doing them. But the early church was. He goes on to say, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. If you're trying to save yourself rather than save others, and I'm not talking about saving your buddies, I mean saving others, others, all the others, the whole mountain. You're going to die. That's it. You're going to die. You do not have enough stuff in your survival kit to survive. You will die. Evil will be drawn to you. And they will kill you. And when you're shooting it out with them, you remember, you heard this from me. Unless, of course, you want to repent. You have that choice. This this is your choice now. Are you going to actually start doing what Christ said, or are you going to keep trying to save yourself? But now there's that—that's—that's that's a couple, There's some out there right now that are having that problem. There's some out there later that are going to, you know, when I deliver these messages and they record them, those messages are going to go out to somebody in the future. But it's actually going straight to your ears into your heart. Because the guy I serve, time don't matter. <laughs> See, he, and he's telling me to tell you this. And I'm talking about you. Yeah, you. <laughs> that you need to stop trying to save your life. And start saving other people's lives. That's what you need to Or you're going to die. That's it. The son shall not bear the iniquity of his fathers. Fathers have eaten sour grapes and turned our teeth on edge. You will not. God will contend for you. Even though you are merchandise, you are taken as a lawful captive. It isn't because they committed fraud. It's because you coveted your neighbor's goods that you're in bondage. Stop thinking they've committed fraud. You have committed fraud because you said you were a Christian. Or maybe you said you were a Jew, a Messianic Jew, and you're not. Because where is your daily ministration? You don't have it. Where is your tens, hundreds, and thousands? You don't have it. Early church had it. Israel had it. You don't have it. you got your little group of Messianic Jews, your buddies, your little congregation who you're going to look to for support emotionally, financially, physically. You're not thinking kingdom. Kingdom, you're casting your bread upon the waters. So it says, The son shall not bear the iniquity of his fathers. They've eaten sour grapes, but I'm going to save you from that. Neither shall your fathers bear the iniquity of the sons. And there's going to be a lot of that. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Okay? God's going to work that out. But if the wicked will turn from all his sin that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, which means love thy neighbor as thyself, and love righteousness, start attending to those weightier matters, and do that which is lawful and right, again, tending to those weightier matters that Christ mentioned. He shall surely live. He shall not die. And the way you do that is in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You gather together with the intention of casting your bread upon the waters and helping one another and looking for ministers who are fearless in the face of the fearful, who are willing to lay down their life, their time, their energy, to bring you in connection, not just with your little buddy group, but with tens, hundreds, and thousands. All this transgression that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all in the wicked should die? saith the Lord God, and not that He should return from His ways and live. That's verse 23. Ezekiel 18, 23. You go read that. God sent His only begotten Son so that the wicked might live. But they have to repent. (laughs) You're the wicked. Your system is wicked. You take from one another. You Take a bite out of one another. Every extra benefit you want comes from biting your neighbor. That's wicked. That's antichrist. But if you will turn from your wicked ways, it's going to mean a little fasting. <laughs> You're going to have to take care of your kids yourself. You're going to have to take care of your parents yourself. You're gonna to have to, you know, it all depends. In other words, you're gonna to have to change their depends. <laughs> you're gonna to have to do for your family, but you also, at the same time, you have to do for your neighbor's family and your neighbor's neighbor and your neighbor's neighbor's neighbor, and your neighbor's neighbor's neighbor because you have to care about somebody in Florida as much as you care about somebody in Washington, and you have to care about somebody in Southern California as much as you care about somebody in Maine, and you have to care about somebody in Australia as much as you care about somebody in Sweden. As much. Because the person you care about the least is the measure of the love in your heart. You have no more love in your heart than the person you care about the least. So you've got to love your enemy. And then you can tell them the truth. And they will hate you. <laughs> but you will have power in that. Ezekiel 18.27 Again, when the wicked man turneth away from... His wickedness that he hath committed, and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Ezekiel thirty-three fourteen. Again, when I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, if he turn his sin, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live. Ezekiel thirty three sixteen same thing. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto me. Who's mentioning your sins to him? He had done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. There are courts in heaven, and evil says, look what they have done. They are mine. They are my lawful captives. I own their government and I own the members of their government and I own the children of the members of their government because I am the lawful captivator of them because of their wickedness they have signed with me. There's a movie coming out and there's a line that somebody showed me where the guy says, this selling of your soul... I don't have this exactly the the way the guy says. It's a one-time deal. (laughs) You, You are sold. You are sold slaves into bondage because of your father's iniquity, because of your own iniquity. And that's the deal. Now, if you actually repent, actually come together in gatherings of earthen altars in free assemblies and actually start giving to ministers that are connected to ministers who are connected to ministers back there in that house of the Lord. Priests, Levites, singers, porters, nethanims. We we explain all this in the books. And ministers. diaconus. Deacons, servants of the house of God. Serving what? Serving all the people of the world. They serve their local congregations. They serve their distant congregations because they are a network of love and caring and charity and free will offerings. And they come together every week thankful for the opportunity of giving. Eucharist. Thank giving. Thankful for giving. They say, oh, none of us need any help. Wonderful. We can take all of what we came to give here and we can give it to our minister and he will distribute it to the ten ministers or nine ministers he knows. And he, he doesn't have to call them all. He can call his minister and his ministers will say what's going on here. And his minister may say, hey, you know, I'm in a gathering with nine other ministers and I don't know of any of my ministers that need help. But one of the ministers that I am in congregation with, he knows that minister says they had a fire. Three homes were burned up. They had somebody who was gored by a bull. Uh, They they, they know somebody whose uh, nephew overdosed on drugs administered by an ambulance operator. But, but 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 his uncle, his brother is not in our congregation. Well, we can still pay their bill. Maybe they will begin to see and repent, and and come the ways of Christ. But if you just go around saying you guys are all in bondage, you guys are all doing this wrong. You guys, your church isn't isn't the church of established by Christ. You guys aren't separate. You guys have corporations. You guys have LLCs. You guys are enmeshed in this bondage. But I'm not in that bondage. I am separate. If that's all you're going to tell them, what makes you not a worker of iniquity? Because the only choice you have today is to lay down your life for others. Not squander your life. Not give up your life. Not bury your life in the backyard in the form of silver and gold. The only thing you have is to lay down your life for others as an example of righteousness tending to the weightier matters. You are not dividing people oh they're not a part of our church so they can't have communion with us. You need to repent. The Holy Spirit is not leading you in such ways. Ezekiel 33:19, Ezekiel 33:16. Uh, But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. He shall surely live. This goes on and on. Save his soul alive. You know, what is your soul? Where does your soul sit? According to Moses, it's in the blood. Your soul is your corporeal and incorporeal herediments of personality. (laughs) In other words, your rights. But most of your rights you don't have access to because you're a lawful captive of the world. Because you've eaten from the mountain. And your fathers have eaten from the mountain. And you're in bondage because of what they did and because of what you did. And there's nothing you can do about it. Except repent and seek the ways of God. Which is to take care of one another, even the stranger in your midst, even giving drink to your enemy that's old testament You're supposed to give drink to your enemy but i tell you that when you do this you will have an adversary at the courts of god if you do not do this god will listen to the devil who says hey look they've eaten on the mountain they've uh, they haven't kept the sabbath they've borrowed against the future they have cursed their children with debt They have uh, swallowed the Corbin of the Pharisees. They're mine. They're my lawful captives. God will not contend because you haven't done anything. You haven't even tried. You haven't even strived to form a daily ministration to take care of anybody other than your buddies. And a lot of you haven't even done that. You've divided yourself away from righteousness. And you need to Repent in return. So now we're going to talk New Testament next. So be right back. And we'll tell you what you missed. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind and the Lord raiseth them up that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. This is Psalms 146 8. God's love opens your eyes. It takes the scales off your eyes. But in order to receive God's love, you must be willing to see. But if you think you see already, then Christ talks about you will be made blind. This is part of the teachings That Christ gave us. Jesus said. For judgment I am come. Into this world. That they which see not. Might see. And they which see. Might be made blind. Well he's talking about those. Who think they already know. And so what we're doing in these series. Is trying to show you. What Christ was trying to help people see. And Peter would say the same thing. That through covetousness. That you would be made merchandise. You would curse your children. You, you would go back and become entangled in the elements of the world. That is the cause. When we talk about contracts in the world and of the world, we're simply talking about systems and agreements where you can actually see the evidence of the fact that you're already in agreement with ideas like One Purse like eating at the table of kings, uh, benefactors who exercise authority. And they're not really benefactors. They only give you what they take away from others. These are the fathers of the earth. These are the terminologies. And we show you the history. We show you how this applied back then. We show you how it applied throughout the ages. We show you how it applied in our times today. But it is absolutely essential that you change what you are in agreement with. That's repentance. You're in agreement with the idea that it's okay to covet. It's okay to desire what belongs to your neighbor for your personal benefit. And it's okay not to forgive. Christ's love will open your eyes. But it also will be like hot coals upon the head of those who do not want to see. They will hate it. If Christ is in you, if you're coming in the name of Christ, you need to be coming with a desire to serve to forgive, to be a righteous individual. That is your desire. And you need to act, not just say, Lord, Lord, but actually become a doer of that word. And then His love can bless you. His grace. If you only love those who love you, if you only love those who help you, care about you, that are close to you, what grace have you? This is what it says. I want you to keep that in mind. Do not get carried away with contracts and jurisdictions and laws, etc. Keep in mind that this is about coming into agreement with Christ. And join the network. Find other people seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That daily ministration based on faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. A government that does not exercise authority but exercises love in charity, in hope. And until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. So, anyway, this, uh, this series I'm gonna to add to the Covenants of the Gods series. Because the Covenants of the Gods is about the contracts of the gods. And of course it, it talks, and it fluctuates back and forth, and this is one of the problems with the book. Uh, but it's meant to be that way. Because it actually, it uses quotes, and it, it uses, uh, even poetry at times. Because you often read that, with one part of your brain. And then it also gives you facts and information. You know, the technicalities of a legal system. Which you often read with the other part of your brain. The other half of your brain. And I'm constantly jumping back and forth between the two. So that you're jumping back and forth between those two different sides of your brain. You know, past, going past the doula alam glada I didn't say it right. And the pituitary gland and all these other things that New Agers are all trying to figure out. And you don't have to do any of that if you actually repent and start loving one another. <laughs> God, God works in these mysterious ways. And it's interesting how it, it does work. But you don't need to know how it works. It's like when you throw a baseball from left field to home base. Or maybe to center field and then they throw it onto the pitcher and then he throws it to the home base. Depends on how you your armor. But when you throw that, there are huge amounts of calculus and trigonometry involved in figuring out how to throw that ball. But there's guys who just do all that and they don't even know math. And that's the way nature is. if you just If you just repent and stop your vanity... And start laying down your life for others. You set in motion something in spiritual realms that cannot be stopped. These contracts, these physical contracts alluded to in the 15 chapters of the book, Covenants of the Gods, are referring to a spiritual agreement you have with Satan. That's what brings you into bondage. Not the lawful physical contract. People are trying to get rid of the contract. How do I get rid of the contract? How do I come out of the system? How do you change? How do you become into agreement with God? And that's what I'm telling you. In law, a contract, or informally known as an agreement in some jurisdictions, including heaven, is an agreement having a lawful object entered into voluntarily by two or more parties. Each of them intends to create one or more legal obligations between them. A spiritual contract creates obligations between you and whoever you make that contract with. Well, who'd you make it with? Who'd you you make your spiritual contract with? Well, it's real simple. What are you in agreement with? You're in agreement that I should not be under the authority of the state and I'm, you know, I want to be free man under God and all this stuff, but do you really want to be a free man under God? Show me the evidence. Where's your daily ministration? Have you come to lay down your life for your fellow man or have you come to gather up your life and go off and do what you want? You're not in spiritual agreement with Christ until you come in the name of Christ, until you come in the name of the Messiah, until you come in the name of Yeshua, until you come in the name of somebody who came to lay down His life. Someone who came to serve, not to be served. When you come in that name, you come in agreement with Christ. And you have a spiritual contract with Christ. And so, therefore, His court shall come and defend you and contend for you against the forces of evil. And then you will be saved. But if you're just going to go out and try to save yourself and your buddies, get in your little group of perfect little congregationalists, you're in a lot of trouble. You haven't come into agreement with Christ because that's not what He did. So, I finally touched on the page that I said I was going to talk about, which was the spiritual contract thing. And I, I mentioned that there are two pictures there. One is Michael the Archangel driving away the demons. And that actually physically happens. I mean, that's that's Julius's picture that I have up there. And that's his version of that. But that's an imagery thing. I have another picture there. Shows the courts of heaven in the background. But you, that's not where you're at. You're in, you're in the foreground looking back, way over there, because you're not before the courts of heaven. You see the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming towards you and stomping and killing everything in their wake. If you will not face the truth about yourself before the courts of heaven, you will be at the mercy of the armies of the wicked who are by their very nature not merciful. Evil does not want you to see your error. As many as I love, I also rebuke. The face of your sin is before you. You have created systems where men who call themselves benefactors force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, to the welfare of your parents, to the welfare of your children, to the welfare of your Insurance policy, (laughs) because uh, they want to see you have a fire department at the expense of your neighbor. See, the whole world is following after a spirit of unrighteousness. It's not based on volunteerism. It's not based on free will offerings. It's not based on charity. It's not based on love. I mean, when you were buying all that survival equipment, was this based on love or fear? When you were stashing that gold and silver and and, and and getting your house fixed up for you and your family and maybe a few friends, was that out of love of your enemy? <laughs> was, that the, was that the love of Christ? Now it's not wrong to prepare. I'm talking about what spirit is is moving you. You have one choice to lay down your life for your fellow man. You do it now, or you will do it later. You do it willingly, or you will do it unwillingly. Not much of a choice, <laughs> but all the difference in the world. If you, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you do it by choice. By you start attending to the daily ministration, to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. You you God will not contend for you and but you have to repent of your wicked ways. Matthew twenty fifteen. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? You are lawful captives, and evil may do with you what it wills unless you repent and come in the name of Christ, and then he will contend for you. You must come into agreement with Christ. Christ was not keeping the Sabbath in the ways that the Pharisees were keeping the sabbath that's very important to understand that behold thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the sabbath day matthew 12:2 matthew 12:4 jesus talks about david eating the showbread and was was that lawful For him to eat? Neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? We have our David. And he shall eat the showbread. We talked about this yesterday. But we have a need for many Davids. And they may come. And we will show you how this works. Legally and lawfully. But you have to repent. (laughs) There is so much I would like to share with you, but I cannot do it until you begin to walk in the ways of Christ. Until you gather in congregations that come to serve. Till you come together in free assemblies where each of you have come to lay down your life for others. Not only for those who love you, but those who are distant. Those who are far away. Those who are even your enemies. When you walk in that spirit, the lame shall walk, the blind shall see, the dead shall rise. But if you want to stay there in the tree of knowledge, pretending you've got this figured out, or you're trying to figure it out, or, you know, if I do this little ritual and I do that little ritual and I follow these little things, you're fooling yourself. Matthew twelve twelve. Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Here I am rebuking you. I am telling you the truth. It's the Sabbath, at least according to some calendars. This is a lot of work. You know, I, I was well, when I, I went to bed at two, and I was awake at five forty four. <laughs> and actually, I hear, I think. My wife just went out and got firewood. (laughs) Because I'm in here talking to you. Trying to tell you what is the way of Christ. But are you going to listen? Are you going to repent? Are you going to do things different? Are you actually going to come together with a repentant heart? Crying in the Lord's bosom. So that He can say, Is it not lawful for me? To do what I will with my own. With that who is in agreement with me. See, as right now, you're in agreement with the devil. And he has a right to do with you what he wants. And he's doing it. And you're crying out. But God can't hear you till you hear God. You have to repent. Real repentance. You believe in Jesus. you got to believe in the real Jesus. You know, and that's why they come up and they try to trick him with all this other stuff. And we can go through all that kind of stuff. You know, like Matthew 22, two seventeen, where they come and they say, What thou thinkest, is it lawful to give to tribute unto Caesar or not? Well, of course, he says, whose, whose, whose name is on this? Whose picture is on this coin? And of course, you know we can explain that. those coins were had his picture on them because they belonged to Caesar. He loaned them into circulation, and he wanted them back in the form of taxation and tribute. And and, and you know it, when he built the harbor, he paid the workers with his coin. And then, if you want to use the harbor, you have to pay for the use of the harbor. Pay the toll. And you, know, you want to buy goods in his marketplace? You're gonna to have to pay for the privilege of doing business in his marketplace, and that's how he gets the coins back. And they, there was a premium for those coins. Now, eventually, he took all the silver and gold out of the Roman coin, and they they turned them into iron, and they eventually turned them into clay. It's very hard to find the clay ones, but because uh, I mean, nobody kept them because <laughs> they were worthless. I mean, it's going to be easier to find a Federal Reserve note (laughs) once everybody figures out that they're worthless. I mean, they tell you. Now, this is interesting. The devil tells you. He says on their website, Federal Reserve website, that these notes have no value. (laughs) They tell you that. They say have no value. (laughs) But you keep using them as if they did. And go ahead and use them because that's what they want. Give a man what he wants. He asks of you twenty dollars. Give him twenty Federal Reserve notes because that's what he wants. He doesn't. I've done this in stores where I laid down a silver dollar. You know. Well, I actually I said we we do, we, do you, they say you know it costs fifty dollars for whatever I was buying, and I said do you, you want dollars or would you take a note? <laughs> and of course they say well no we can't take a note. Uh, you got to have to pay. And they're thinking like, oh, no, my goodness, I've already rung this up. I'm going to have to void this out. And they're going, their head's going there because <laughs> that's their religion. And I says, well, you, then you won't take this and they hold up a hundred dollar bill. And they say, oh, no, we take that. <laughs> and so I said, oh, okay, I thought maybe you wanted a real dollar and I lay out some silver dollars. And I says, oh, no, oh, what are those? You know, and and I actually lay out didn't U.S. silver dollars but silver dollars weights of measure silver weights of measure so it doesn't look like coins it looks like silver bullion or something and they look at it and say oh that's that or, you know, or I'll lay out a gold coin a gold dollar and uh they go like oh what is that oh that's heavy You know, <laughs> public schools you got it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the fact is, is you know what you used to be able to buy for ten dollars now takes you a hundred dollars. But of course, we're not talking real dollars. We're talking notes because the notes are people are beginning to realize that they're not worth as much as they say on their face because they're liars. <laughs> but that's okay. Use those things. There's no problem in that. That's what they want. In the same way when they had to make their tally of bricks. They still had to pay their tally of bricks. They were still in bondage. And God made it so they stayed in bondage. He said, I hardened the heart of the Pharaoh so they would stay in bondage because they needed to learn something before I could set them free. Their hearts needed to turn away from the ways of socialism and to the ways of righteousness. So they had to learn to take care of one another during the famines, during the pestilence. And then he, they were ready to come out. That's the way he did it then. That's what he was doing at the time of Christ. You're not ready. You're not tending to the daily administration. You're not tending to the weightier matters. You're playing religion. You don't deserve to be free. You won't deserve to be free when God finally frees you. Everybody's going to get freed. Everybody's just not going to survive freedom. But you will live in righteousness if you follow the ways of righteousness because the spiritual armies of God will contend for you. But if you continue to play these games of religion and not really gather together for the purposes of laying down your life and sacrificing yourself and serving one another, not just in your local group, but all across the... The world, so that the whole world might be saved, then you know not much I can do for you you know in matthew twenty seven six he says then the chief priest took the silver pieces and said it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. the word treasury there I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up, but I think that's the word Corbin. Because the word Corbin is sometimes translated treasury. Not right to use it for the Corbin. Because it's the price of blood. Every benefit that you take from benefactors who exercise authority one over the other is meat with blood in it. Because it is taken from your neighbor by force, not a free will offering. That is the nature of that system. That system is in agreement with the idea of shedding the blood of your neighbor so that you can have free education, so that you can have free health care, so that you can have a fire department, so that you can have police protection. And that was one of the things I noticed it was was in near it was in Norway, in Oslo. People are getting beat up Gangs are roaming about. They've lost parts of the cities. They The police come in to the guy who's all bloody and say, Hey, uh, there's nothing we can do. We It's beyond our power. And, and this is in, in a nation of Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, th- these people are outdoorsy, wintry kind of people. And they cannot even protect their own streets. Because why? Years of socialism. It's not their problem. You know, like I I mentioned it before. They did this in Sweden where they had a car and they fogged up the windows and they put a recording in there. It sounded like a woman being raped and begging and calling for help. People scurried by. Almost nobody stopped to do anything. They didn't even call on their phones. They just fled the scene. Somebody needs help. Some some poor girl is being abused in there and they left. My son and, and one of our ministers came on a situation where someone was being raped in the middle of the street down near Sacramento. And there were men standing by and knew it was going on and did nothing. The girl had been drugged. She, he had slipped her, you know, some sort of drug in her food or drink or something and she didn't he was trying to get her back to his apartment she thought she was going to a church meeting but he drugged her and she wasn't making it she was falling down and so he figured i'll just rape her right here and nobody was coming to her aid except a woman a woman came up and then then you know my son and this other minister came on the scene and The guy had run off at this point because a woman had chased him off. (laughs) Somebody with character. Somebody, you know, and I I told them they need to follow up on that because that's that's signs of the Holy Spirit. The presence of a woman who was sober, not falling down from being drugged, frightened this guy off. I, I could tell you stories we don't have time where somebody with character just came upon the scene and somebody who had total control and power in this scene. You know, total control over people. Nobody would question him. Nobody would challenge him. There were no Davids on the scene. And a guy just walked up, not even knowing what's going on, just stood there and said, what's that? what is this? And they scream and flee. Where a guy just shows up on a scene and holds up a gun, and the the guy who's murdering everybody in the mall runs down the hallway and shoots himself. You think it's because that guy had a gun? You know, the the gun had played its part. But why did that guy have the gun? Why did he forget and leave it on? He knew he was going to gun free zone. He actually used to work there. But he forgot. Why did he forget? Because God said you. Don't need to remember <laughs> where the gun, <laughs> but it was the Holy Spirit that scared the hell in that man, and he suddenly became afraid. I mean, he had he had all kinds of weapons, and the guy who who had the gun and pointed at him a pistol was concerned he might hit somebody else. There you see it, Kingdom Tracks. He's worried about somebody else. He's risking his life. He's facing somebody who clearly has him out armed. He had rifles and semi-automatic weapons. But he was there with courage facing the guy. But he was concerned about the lives of people. His mere presence scared the hell in that man. And the devil did what he thought he had a right to do and did evidently have a right to do. He did, he said, okay, I can't get you to kill more people, kill yourself. And he went and did it. This happens time and time again. Repent. And until then, <laughs> may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. God bless.